You're listening to MHD Off the Record South LA Highlights, where I, Siobhan Taylor, speak with local organizations, small businesses, and individuals doing amazing work in South LA. Here, we uplift and highlight their work while keeping you informed of the resources available in our community. On this episode, we speak with Marie Elise Rakasner DeMarco, the manager of Urban Agriculture and Farmers Market Projects for CLA, Sustainable Economic Enterprises of Los Angeles, which is an organization whose mission is to build sustainable food systems and promote social and cultural activities that benefit both low to moderate income residents of LA. CLA operates six farmers markets throughout the LA area, half of which are in South LA. Enjoy the show. So welcome, Marie Elise Rakasner, DeMarco. (laughs) How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you today? I'm great. So I'm excited because I think this conversation around food fairness is really important, Mm -hmm. Um, or food accessibility. That's Mm -hmm. the term I've always used. That's a good one. But um, I noticed that the word food fairness is important to you. Mm -hmm. And this is something that you have been really channeling, or I would say championing, for a while now. But my question is, you know, for someone whose career has been in acting and entertainment, what inspired you to transition into addressing food accessibility and food fairness issues full time? For one thing, I've I've always been uh, involved in, in food, of course, on the fun side, you know, cooking and, and enjoying new tastes and stuff. I've always had a pretty adventurous palate. Um, and, uh, and one of the reasons I want to go back really quick that I, I like the word food fairness is because it makes it very clear that it is that it's the right to access of uh, to food. It's very black and white. You know, it's simple enough to explain to a child about fairness, and it's you know, it's a right. It's not something that you have a any right to take away from anybody. So that's why I really, really like that word for just for clarification for people. And the other word I like to use is food apartheid because it is a man-made structure that causes even famine. Mm. is man-made when we talk about countries that are suffering because it's often a political choice and political actions that cause famine. So, you know. When you mm-hmm. say that, what do you mean? How How is it a political act or a political choice that causes famine? Well, let's look at what's happening right now in world events. You know, if we weren't having, if we didn't have somebody who was, you know, power hungry and wanting to wipe a whole population, a whole country off of the, you know, the face of the, you know, the world, you know, we wouldn't be having grain shortages. Mm-hmm. And that in turn will affect Central Africa. It's going to affect all kinds of people all over the world because of, and that's a political act. That was not an act of nature. That's interesting. So you're actually making me think about food in a different light in regards to, you know, how food has been used to hurt populations as Absolutely. a form of oppression, lack of food access being mm-hmm. a form of oppression, mm-hmm. a tool in system systemic racism, even absolutely. here in America. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's, I'm sorry, there is no mistake about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 you know, some people might say, oh, maybe it's an act of omission, but I'm sorry, people are not that unconscious. So it's not an accident is what you're saying. It's no, just, it's never an accident. That's how I think some people look at it. Like, mm-hmm. well, it just so happens, you know, this community just so happens to be poor, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're just not working hard enough. <laughs> And that's why they don't have resources. They're not sure. doing enough here. You know, if they were working harder, maybe mm-hmm. they would have more things and maybe they'd have more access to food. But it's not that. You're saying this is a man-made system that's creating this absolutely. problem. Absolutely. I mean, if it weren't, then tell me why we have systems in place in other parts of the city. Let's say 
places like Century City, which is city of Los Angeles, or Studio City, city of Los Angeles, it's right. neighborhood, but, but where they have in place, um, uh, what is the word? What, civic, I can't think of the name of it, but there's a word for when you have uh, city plans where you're not allowed to do certain things there. And it's all about keeping those zones for those zoning laws, zoning laws. Right. But they also have the zoning laws are not just a zoning law, like this is where business goes, but thinking about where your food is going to go, thinking about where schools are thinking about, we're going to have a, where you're going to have a, a, a business that might have uh, toxic elements in it. And these people, obviously I'm not saying somebody's got a, somebody who's got, a, are, these are mom and pop places that might have a, uh, might have a motor works place. And, you know, they're dealing with things that are, can seep in the ground and make a difference. Or you don't necessarily want to have a, a preschool right next to mm. that. These are not evil people that are holding these 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 jobs, these businesses. These are people just trying to make a living. But if you don't have a city and a healthy city plan in place, people are just going to put where they're going to put, you know, businesses in any, any place. And I want people to kind of get an idea about why you're speaking about it in this way mm -hmm. as far as, you know, places and why location is a big factor in how you think about food fairness. Mm -hmm. Because you're a native South Angelino. Right. And you've lived in other parts of L.A. as you've, you know, gotten mm -hmm. older mm -hmm. and you've experienced the differences between South L.A. and other parts of L.A. County. Yeah. What were those differences and why did they stand out to you? It's really funny. It's uh, uh, I, I don't mean funny, haha, but funny as in so ironic. You know, you you think of. um a city as a place that's really thought out and planned. And in fact, in fact, I think there's very few cities that are really, it's sort of a natural rolling out. Um, and, you know, what I, what I find is the biggest factor. I mean, people say, oh, people just don't know any better or mm -hmm. they are just making bad choices or actually I lived, you know, in neighborhoods with college educated people who fed their children trash, you know, and should have known better. And the kids are bouncing off the walls. As long as it's vegetarian, I know it's, right. it's, you know, it's blue number 12 and he's right. got color all over his face and he's jumping all over the place, but it's, it's vegetarian. It's like, boy, you just like are not connecting the dots here. Right. And it's full of chemicals yeah, and processed yeah. things. But there's no animal products in it. Uh, and so there's just this bizarre disconnect. And then also, um, you know, I also tell people it has to do with choice and access, access and choice. When you have access to something and you have choice, you are, you're able to see what you have in your community where you can go. You can, you, you can either go, sure, I'm going to go over to, uh, the fast food place or, oh, look, I've got this other place that I can go to, or I can go to this market that doesn't offer this, but I can go to this market that does have organic produce or whatever. And forget about organic produce. Let's just talk about food period. You know, this is earlier we were talking about class and shaming around people eating food. I'm, we are so done with that. Like stop shaming people for wanting to eat, you know, a pork chop. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, there's other things that we're trying to get at first, you know, and, right. and, and you're discounting all kinds of cultures by saying that that's a bad thing. Or like people that like to put down Mexican food. Well, I'm sorry, Mexican food, beans and rice and corn and, and squash, those things have fed people for over a millennia. So give me a break. Exactly. <laughs> I was reading this really great book called Omnivore's Dilemma. Oh, I love that book. Yeah. And it really explained how we've been trained to believe things about mm -hmm. food mm -hmm. over time because food industries have mm -hmm. conditioned us to believe things about food Absolutely. that don't match up with the history 
of food itself, Mm-mm. of real foods, mm-hmm. right? So we've been mm-hmm. taught that carbohydrates are bad, but if you go all <laughs> over the world throughout history, people have been eating carbohydrates all, you know, all throughout history, corn, beans mm-hmm. in various forms, but they weren't processed. Mm-hmm. They weren't extracting the vitamins from them. Exactly. And they've been eating them just fine. The problem sure. is the things that we eat, you know, we, we, we're buying them already packaged in a grocery store after they've been through multiple plants and, mm-hmm. and not plants as in, you know, the grow from the ground. I mean, like chemical yeah. plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Industry and, in, and, and right. industrial processes. And then put into a plastic bag or container or yeah. a cardboard box and then lay, put on the shelf. And we're, we're thinking, oh, well, this rice Cerrone, mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't call brands out, but you get what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you know, mean. this cup of <laughs> packaged noodles, rice, yeah. this packaged noodles or whatever. Mm-hmm. We, we, we're thinking, oh, well, carbohydrates are now bad when really it's just the way that they've been processed yeah. and, you know, the way they've been infused with all types of chemicals and sugars mm-hmm. to enhance mm-hmm. the flavors to, you know, highlight certain parts of our brain. Mm-hmm. So we become almost even addicted to it or dependent upon it. And then addressing your point about choice Mm -hmm. when you have low funds, but you have to feed your family Mm -hmm. and you can get a pack of, of dried noodles full of chemicals and sodium for 40 cents a pack. Absolutely. Literally. I Googled it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, 40 cents a pack. If you buy a box of them Mm -hmm. and you can feed your family, you know, for a month. Mm hmm. What are your choices? What are what is choice then? Exactly. And then let's not forget about time. Exactly. There's the economics of time. People don't talk about this. I wish they would. You know, like we we like to get after parents and I I God, I'm guilty of saying it. All you need is a half an hour. You can have a healthy meal with your kid. Well, the reality is <laughs> <laughs> there's the chopping. There's the portioning. No, there's the shopping. The shopping, right? There's the shopping. So let's say you're working one job. Let's say you're working two jobs, but I know what it's like to work one job and you've got kids. Like, you don't have the energy, I'm sorry, to stop at the store and pick up stuff if you don't have it in the refrigerator. And sometimes the weekend comes and goes because you're doing stuff. You're trying to catch up on all the stuff you didn't do during the week. Right. So a half an hour, what a luxury that would be, right? Right. Because we know that it's it's shopping. It's getting the kids, or even if you don't have kids, just getting yourself in your door and making your food and prepping your food. And then after you eat your food, you've got to have the energy to clean your kitchen. Right. So, you know, sometimes 10 minutes is tops is all you have. Exactly. So you're talking about the economics of of time, the economics of the economics of economics, of being <laughs> right. able to, to, to buy what you can buy for your family, to feed your family. And there are so many other factors that are involved in that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just even the food you eat, it's what do you do even after that on the weekends? Do you have parks in your neighborhood? Yeah. Are there enough trees is your you have a walkable community green space green space yeah. exactly so there are a lot of things that impact our health the beautiful thing um about things like farmers markets is mm-hmm. also almost like an event oh absolutely right you can take your family mm-hmm. there's a lot of things going on mm-hmm. i've been to you know farmers markets sometimes you have you know someone who's making music you yeah. know there's someone there doing something artistic at the, in the space as well. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an event. It's something that you can go do with your family and connect with your local community. Mm-hmm. Um, Crenshaw Farmer's Market, you guys are going to be at the FIBA Center soon. Yes, I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> and, you know, and I know with Destination Crenshaw and the mm-hmm. K-Line, it's mm-hmm. going to become very accessible. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and that's exciting as well. So mm-hmm. making it something that's an event for the community is an, another part of health and food access. Absolutely. That's mental wellness. And when I say mental, I mean, you know, it's funny. Let's just be holistic about it. If you don't have good physical health, it's 
likely that you're also your mental health is suffering. If you have mental issues, and of course that's not an issue, we, we all have mental health, we have to think of it as mental health, then we're going to possibly have physical issues. And there's issues of the soul. And I don't mean in the religious sense, but in the sense of the person. Yes. You know, we are soulful beings. And the wonderful thing about farmer's markets is the community and, yes. and the beauty and getting to know that farmer. And you know what? My favorite thing, my favorite thing is watching the kids because I ran Crenshaw for over seven years, probably close to eight years. And I saw kids grow up. I saw people, I saw people in utero who were then running around going, hi, you know, a few <laughs> years later. <laughs> and the thing that I absolutely loved was watching kids, you know, they started with a strawberry, but I remember one kid, his face was green from eating a and his, it was bigger than his head, eating a head of broccoli. It was the cutest thing in the world. Wow. It was really cute. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things when I was a nanny. I would take the kids, um, I would nanny down to farmer's markets. Mm -hmm. Be, and, you know, some um, spaces, the farmers would let the children have samples. Sure. And they, the kids would love it because the fruit would be so sweet mm -hmm. and so, you know, cold because they'll have them on ice for mm -hmm. them. And they would eat the fruit and walk around and they just wanted to sample everything. Of course. <laughs> Don't have to worry about lunch. <laughs> like, pretty much. And it was it was exciting for them. And mm -hmm. they just wanted to run around and enjoy mm -hmm. the, the space. And it was a great way to also introduce them to the fruits as opposed Absolutely. to so, so new fruits they probably had, would never try. Mm -hmm. Or different versions of fruits that they've never seen before. Mm -hmm. Different colors of fruits and vegetables. They, they, you know, they didn't know that you can get certain types of pears or certain yeah. types of peaches and or plums. Or carrots, rainbow or carrots. carrots. Oh, yeah. yeah, they loved rainbow oh, my carrots. Goodness, don't they? <laughs> and they would get so excited, more mm -hmm. so than just seeing what they typically saw mm -hmm. on the plate or even in the frozen bag or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was something different for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that says something when you can actually take your children or the children in your life, you know, if you're an aunt or an uncle, and you can take your the kids in your life just down there. Yeah, grandparents, can, aunts, exactly. uncles, absolutely, friends. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's really terrific about children is you change the way you introduce a child to vegetables and fruits and, and a healthier way of eating. You can change an entire family's way of eating. Right. And that is amazing because you obviously want to feed your kid what they're going to eat. And it is easy. I've seen it. It's easy. And it's, it's easy fun. To like, but it's also easy to say, oh, my God, I don't have time. Here's a bag of chips. I get it. <laughs> I get it. No judgment on my part. Absolutely. But it's like, let's start thinking about where that leads later on. Yeah. And also, it's a way to introduce it in a fun way as mm -hmm. opposed to fighting with them at the dinner right. table. You know, it's a fun event. They're probably not even thinking about it as hard. At least that, that was my observation mm -hmm. in a lot of spaces. It's just kind of like, well, just try this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they will. Sometimes they won't. It's a power struggle at that point. You've lost. <laughs> right. At the dinner table, it's already late. You, you you've know? lost. Oh, you know what makes me totally crazy? There's some, I won't say the name of the product begins with a K. And they're talking about a certain wonderful thing that we all love called macaroni and cheese. <laughs> and our, or maybe it's just the cheese itself. And the little kid says, no, I'm not going to do it. And the parent acquiesces. Oh, I've seen that. Oh, it drives me crazy. I've seen that. It drives me crazy. And those, but those ads are made that way specifically for that reason. Mm -hmm. For both, funny enough, I think it's funny. I think it's made that way for both the child and the parent. Because oh, sometimes absolutely. I see children literally repeat the commercial, the children in the commercial mm -hmm. for that exact product. Oh, the, the advertisers know exactly what exactly. they're doing. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> so, you know, getting back to just some other things in, in your observations, because one of the good things about farmer's market is it, it it's an alternative to having to try to hunt for certain things in the grocery store. Yeah. Because honestly, some grocery stores, they just don't carry mm-hmm. quality produce. Mm-hmm. And at farmer's markets, which, by the way, is more than produce because you have right. small businesses that come. You can try, you know, some new barbecue. Mm-hmm, you can try mm-hmm. some new kebabs. You can try some yeah. um, skincare products. I've seen businesses mm-hmm. that have organic skincare products, candles. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's more than that as well. Yeah. Um, so it's a great opportunity for small businesses. And I definitely want to get into that, too. Mm-hmm. But before we get there, the other thing is it's a great space to get things that aren't available in your local grocery store. And you have lived in other parts of L.A., mm-hmm. What are some of the differences between the grocery stores that we have here in South L.A. Mm -hmm. and the grocery stores that you might see in other parts of L.A., such as like Marina Del Rey or even like Los Feliz or different parts of Los Angeles? Well, you know, there's two there's just over two and a half miles between two um, national brands here. I mean, when I say here, there's one here. I'll just give the location. People that know the area know what I'm talking about. So at Obama and La Brea is one store. Mm-hmm. And its sister store is at uh, Third and La Brea, and these two stores are very different. Mm. You know, one has got, I think, probably sushi available, a salad bar, this and that. Now, I haven't been to the one at Obama in a while, so maybe those things are there too. But I know that I don't it's, think so. Yeah, it's never at the. It's never at the. It's never the same quality. So I find that really frustrating. Like, what's the deal? You see the same thing with this particular. You see a lot more baked goods. Yeah, like cakes oh, yeah. and desserts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not a sushi, not the fresh cheeses no, and all of that. Salad right? bars, not salad bars, things that you can take to go like, hey, you know, we're talking about- a soup bar. Yeah, you're yeah. tired. You what, what can you, oh, you know what? I can grab some soup. I can grab some salad. My family or me, I'm fed, you know, right. what, you know, versus, oh, let me go get this cinnamon rolls. I'm hungry. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, um, it's again about choice. Mm-hmm. It's not there. You don't see it. You're not going to buy it. Right. Um, you know? Right. And also, you know, as a farmer's market operation, we're run by CLA, Sustainable Economic Enterprises of LA. It's a real mouthful. But uh, we uh, run, uh, right now we have six farmer's markets. We're going to be opening up another at Compton College on uh, November 2nd. So come on out. And the other one is we're going to be moving our MLK uh, campus, which was formerly our Watts, and we're still trying to figure out where that location will be, but that'll be opening up. Um, so we'll be up to eight markets very soon. And um, but so you're, you're staying in South LA. We're, we're, we're going to maintain the number. Four yes. four markets will be in South LA. Oh, four! Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So four of four of the eight will be in in South in South LA. The interesting thing is that uh, well, of course, Crompton is not considered some municipality, but still, it's part of South LA. Um, but uh, you know, the really sad thing is that we are the largest operators of farmers markets in South Los Angeles, which oh, is I believe it. 16 square miles. It's a gigantic geographic footprint, if not larger, because some people, depending on who you talk to, it's larger than that. So, you know, if I'm going to, I'm doing the very conservative number. I've seen 29, I've seen 54, depending on, you know, what municipalities and, and unincorporated areas that you are, in, are talking about. But uh, the fact that right now we are at two and we are still the largest is is insane. That's just wow. not okay. That's just that's that doesn't off the charts. Me. There's over a hundred farmers markets in the, the county of Los Angeles. Oh wow. So what's interesting about that is all of the ones that I knew of, mm-hmm. I didn't realize it till I was looking it up and I was like, wait a minute, all the ones that I know of are literally all CLA. Mm-hmm. All of them, which mm-hmm. was Central Avenue, MLK, and Crenshaw Farmers mm-hmm. Market. They mm-hmm. were all CLA. CLA. 
Yep. And there's others. And I got to say, there's a lot of good energy out there. There's people that want to open up farmer's markets. And um, it's just not happened yet. It's it's a lot more complicated than just rolling out and saying, hi, farmers. Come. There's, you know, we deal with a lot of city, county, and state agencies. Why do you think that is? What is it for CLA that makes them prime locations that maybe other organizations or even individuals who might be, you know, starting them, what makes it so difficult for other people to start farmers markets in South LA? Well, again, because we are dealing with city, county, uh, state agencies, we're certified farmers markets. So you can't just go downtown to the food truck, you know, the big uh, trucks that are coming in from the Central Valley and grab a bunch of strawberries. These people are actually growing their stuff. Um, and uh, so these markets, I mean, these farmers are visited by the, the ag department, the the, the Ag Department is, let me put this again, let me say, let me be a little more clear. The California Department of Food and Agriculture, which in L.A. County partners with the L.A. County Office of Weights and Measures, I think is what it's called. And they are the ag inspectors for L.A. So we have that. And it's finding space that works when you think about it, right? It's like you have to have space for your farmers and the farmers have to be in a certain section, the certified section. You have to have your events section, which is where your food goes. And then you can do your artisans. Some farmers markets in Los Angeles do not have artisans. They just have food and, and, um, farmers, but we do believe in helping small businesses, you know, to, to grow and have a place to start. Yeah. I hear you, but y'all did it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. y'all doing it. What, what's, what's <laughs> like, I, like you're making, right. like you're making a very good argument right, right, right. and you're making a good case. Why? Like, why is it, mm-hmm. but the challenges that mm-hmm. there, that come with creating a farmer's market, mm-hmm. but you guys are doing it. Yeah. So why aren't there more that <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like from other I, people. I, and you know, I think that is, that is the ultimate question. Why? Because people honestly don't, either people don't want to, or they haven't tried. Now it's not, so I'm saying it's not easy, but it's not impossible my goodness, it's not impossible. Right. So I think there is a, uh, I, I, I do think, honestly, there is a sense of people thinking it's too difficult to do, but honestly, it's not. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking out of turn here, but we have thought about, and we're just not there yet because we are a bare bones operation, but it's something we're thinking about because we do get hit up from all over, whether it's South LA, we get hit up from the San Fernando Valley, the San Gabriel Valley. You know, can you come and help us open up a farmer's market? And something that we would like to do, we're just not there yet is we would like to create a way to help incubate and start other farmers markets. It's something, like I said, we really want to do, so don't call us yet because we're not there yet. But (laughs) we really want to be able to help because we're not like Kroger. We're not out to open up farmers markets all over the place. Right. But if there's a city or or a, so the people that can open up a nonprofit, let me be very clear about that too. You either are a city entity like the city of Santa Monica or the city of Torrance. Those are city run farmers markets or you're a nonprofit like we are, or a farmer, a certified farmer can start a farmer's market. So if you have one of those ingredients, that's where you start. What we would like to do at some point is help somebody start the whole process. Okay, this is who you contact. This is what you do. These are the steps we take. And this is how we recruit. And we help you get all those people we'll take out of our own network to help you recruit. And then after a while, when you get when you're up and running, we're gonna leave because it's your farmers market. Each even in our organization, we run the farmers market. We have to we have to deal with the rules and regulations and keep those things going so we don't get shut down and every everybody's in compliance. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, 
the farmer's markets belong to the community. Right. So if can you imagine if somebody said, I have this and I'm down on 180th Street and I want to start a farmer's market. In a few years, hopefully we'll be in a place where we can say, here, we can help you do that. And here you go. And in a few years time, they've got a self-sustaining farmer's market. Yeah. And I really hope you guys are able to make that happen because I think that would be something that could help people who are thinking like, hey, actually, I do want to do this. Mm-hmm. They're listening right now and they're like, you know, Siobhan, you're, you you really hit me. You're right. Why aren't we doing it? Yeah. And I think, you know, helping them get through that process might be the start there. So I'm hoping you guys are able to make that happen. Yeah, and- yeah. It's a big desire. I mean, the thing with our farm, with our with our organization, with our org, we really kick butt. <laughs> no, so you do. In fact, us. in fact, to talk about how much butt you kick, you guys actually go beyond just a recurring market. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of your other programs. What are some of the other ways that you guys address food accessibility and in sustainable ways? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, we have our nutrition program, which started some years ago now, which is amazing. It's called the, it's a mouthful too. It's the Pompeia Smith. Pompeia was the longest serving uh, executive director we had. Sort of, I think she's considered one of the founders of the market some years ago, the Hollywood Farmers Market. Her name was Pompeia Smith, Good Cooking Cucina, uh, Buena Cucina program. And we, uh, our nutrition program teaches classes at each of the farmers markets. And yeah, we, we had, you know, we eventually worked to that. We used to not be able to do that, but we, we, we work uh, with grant funding and we, believe me, believe me, we stretch every dollar we can. It's amazing. The program head of that is, is Kara uh, Elio and she's really dynamite. And we are able to, I mean, we've had literally thousands of people go through our, our cooking program, our nutrition programs. What I love about it is that it's not there's something I, I've never, I, I haven't talked about, but like the, we were talking about this earlier, a bunch of us were together talking about this earlier about the colonization of food. So what we're dealing with. Oh, I like that. Already. Yeah. That terminology. You know, think about it. Think about what we're eating. You know, we're eating pasta. I'm sorry. My husband's half Italian. That's, that's from Italy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, funny enough, I actually researched and it's, it's funny enough. There's actually some history that pasta actually came from Africa. I am not surprised. Yeah. Come on. It's the breadbasket of the world. If we really yeah. think about and it, it actually <laughs> comes from, uh, when the Moors colonized mm-hmm. Sicily, but mm-hmm. that's a whole nother. Yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> <laughs> another form of colonization. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of the foods we eat are, co- so I, what, uh, you know, our, our food of colonizers. So what I love is the fact that our nutrition program looks at foods that aren't necessarily from overseas. They not that that they aren't, but that we're they're, they're really looking at things that people are familiar with mm-hmm. and showing them how to use um, uh, fresh ingredients that are in season. And what I love about it is that a lot of the people that are in this program started as peer educators, so they were from the community. And we don't talk. The program does not talk down to people. We don't assume people don't know anything. This mm. is just. Um, a little extra information for what you already know. Yeah. You know, it, and it is easy enough if you don't, but, you know, respecting where people are, meeting them where their expertise is. And when I say expertise, I don't mean in going and getting a, a college degree. I mean, in your expertise in feeding your family and taking care of your family or yes. yourself for that matter. I keep talking about families. There are single people out there without people, <laughs> without, <laughs> without children. There are two family households without children. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, you know, so we've got that. And we also have, we also offer market match at each of our markets, which is really terrific. And it's gone through a couple of funding iterations. 
And right now we are, thankfully, the County Board of Supervisors okayed um, to cover market match. So now the County of Los Angeles pays for a market match. And it was a federal program before that. And before that, it was uh, the um, first five California. Um, so it's gone through, like I said, a couple different iterations. Right. And if we, as we run out of funds and we, we get a new, a, new, a new parent to take care of us, now it's the County Board of Supervisors and the money. And the really cool thing is um, we are actually Valeria uh, Velasquez Duñez. She is actually the person who's managing that $2 million. And what's really cool is that that's not just for CLA. That money is we're partnering up with other farmers market locations and other locations to be able to offer market match to more people. So it's not just for CLA. This is for anybody and, in the network. And market match. That's a dollar for dollar match uh, on your CalFresh card. So let's say you've got your CalFresh card, you bring it. And when I say CalFresh, if you are from out of state, your card will work. So CalFresh are people who are familiar snap. with the terminology. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's old school food stamps, food stamps. Which became SNAP. Right. Which in so each state has their own name, and so here we call it CalFresh. Right. So you dollar for dollar, I believe the match it used to be ten dollars. Now I think it's twenty. But for the twenty dollars, you're getting uh, market match funds and uh, sometimes other funds because we've been adopted by a few um, places like Sweet Green and the Oprah Winfrey Charitable Foundation gave us some money to be able to do that. Too. Oh wow! Yeah, that was the height of the pandemic, so we were able to. I didn't even talk about that before. Yeah, we were able to do, we were able to distribute over a hundred thousand boxes to Los Angeles, which is a drop in the bucket. There's 10 million people in the county. Boxes of, of fresh food. We were able to keep our farmers from going under. Because oh, wow. when because when our farmers started, you know, LA has a procurement um system for local farmers to be able to um, give fruit, uh, sell fruits and vegetables to different state uh, city agencies. So when uh, California shut down, all those accounts had to be shut down. And a farmer can't walk out to his field and say, hey, rainbow carrots, gotta stay in the ground for a little bit, right. stop growing. You know, they're gonna so you know, people were were on the verge of burying tons of food. And we were able then instead to have the funds to say, we're buying it. We're gonna we're gonna package it on the farm. And then people were getting nutrient-dense food, but also protein, where we're giving people a dozen eggs. Yes. Three pints of strawberries, three to five bunches of food, and sometimes, I mean, f uh, of, of uh, vegetables. And sometimes we were able to do um, chicken. Okay. Yeah. So it was really cool. It was a really cool program. Oh, 10 pounds of oranges. Forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are able to do more than just have a marketplace, but you're able to support farmers even when they're you're not able to have a marketplace. You're able to have cooking classes, right. which, by the way, mm -hmm. is important as well because- Sometimes, you you know, it's great to have access to fruits and vegetables sure. and certain types of produce you may not even have available in your grocery store. But then it's like, well, what do I do with it? Exactly. How and do how I do keep it from going bad? How do I something? keep from going bad? Because there's only so many salads I can eat. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And that's the cool thing about the about the the nutrition programs, teaching people how to use, you know, uh, new things or even things that they've known before. But they did like the people who don't know not to put a tomato in the refrigerator. Don't put in the tomato. In oh, the you don't do that? Uh-uh. I see. I never knew that. You just yeah. told me that at this very moment. Put it on the counter and see how long it lasts. I mean, don't put it on the counter too long. You want to eat it. But I mean. Right. Right. <laughs> but I, I didn't even know that. I yeah. always I always put them in the refrigerator. I was always taught makes you put them, everything in the refrigerator. No, makes them mealy. Really? Yeah. And they go bad. 
So that's why my tomatoes never last. Yeah, put it on the counter. It's amazing how long it'll last. And that's the other thing is sometimes like as a person such as myself, you know, mm-hmm. single person, doesn't have any children, mm-hmm. you know, lives alone. Mm-hmm. I would buy, you know, fruits and vegetables sure. and they would go bad so quickly because I'm not able to use them up mm-hmm. quickly enough. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you feel like, well, am I wasting my money? Because they're not cheap at right. the grocery store, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I am ended up feeling like oh, guilty. Yeah. Because I haven't used up all my fruits and vegetables and I feel like I'm wasteful. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just not knowing the proper way to store them mm-hmm. so I can use them. Right. In a, you know, in a reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, maybe that class could have helped me. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, like I know that when I was running Crenshaw, I would often find articles and print them out or I'd even type up stuff that I knew and have it available. I put it among the fruits and vegetables. And it's something we're talking about bringing back, actually. Um, and one of the things I did was how to store and freeze your berries. Because I remember we had a bunch of people going and it was like we had um, the uh, WIC checks had gone out, the annual WIC checks. And people are like flush with money buying up food and then you know it's like they're going to go bad if you don't freeze them and how do you mm-hmm. freeze them if you freeze them in a chunk they're they're a chunk but if you put them on a on a cookie sheet with either wax or or, or any kind of paper you can do a plastic wrap or parchment. wax paper or parchment which is my favorite put that on and you freeze them individually and then you put them in a bag after that and then you can take out what you want see these are tips that i didn't even know yeah and you can take greens blanch your greens in salted water for one minute Ring out the extra thing and then put it in a plastic bag and freeze it. Yeah, you got to do like just tips, <laughs> tips and tricks with Maria Lee. Marie's tips and tricks. <laughs> I love it. My mother will be saying, girl, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I love it. So these are some great um, programs and um, things that you guys are doing mm-hmm. in CLA that, again, go beyond just recurring markets, but what you guys have access to when people get to the markets, what you're doing. And I think you guys also have a program that you're doing in schools, right? Yeah. The uh, the cooking program um, is also taught in some schools and some, I believe, some child care area, you know, after school child care uh, places. And uh, at one point, they were even teaching Zumba. That still might be happening. <laughs> so I think they, they actually will meet at, at certain parks and recs. So there's different places. Um, they've got, they're very active on social media. You can find them on, on, on Instagram and be able to follow them that way. And YouTube, they even have a YouTube channel, which is really cool. I love that. Yeah. So when and where can people attend a farmer's market in South LA currently? Currently, we run markets from Thursday until Sunday. Right now, it's two on Thursdays. Central Avenue, which is at 4301 South Central Avenue. Or if you don't remember that, remember where the Constituent Center for CD9 is, Curran Price's office. That's It's right in front of there. We also, that Thursday evening, we have the LA River Farmer's Market, which is our new farmer's market. It just started in late May. On Fridays, we have the Echo Park Farmer's Market, which is also an evening market, and it's a blast. It's a lot of fun off of Sunset. Uh, near Echo Park. And then on Saturdays, we have the good old Crenshaw Farmer's Market, which right. currently is at the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Plaza. Eighth District. Yes, there you go, Eighth <laughs> District. And on Sunday, we have the Atwater Village Farmer's work Market. And then we have our old lady who uh, is subsidizes our other markets. And that would be the Hollywood Farmer's Market on Sunday, Sunday mornings. Awesome. That's the big one, right? That's the big mama. That's the big mama. <laughs> And how can people support the work and programs of CLA? If people want to donate, if mm-hmm. people want to find maybe ways to volunteer, if they even want to yeah. maybe participate. Or- sure, sure. Our website, which, you know, please forgive us, it's not completely up to date, but we're working on that, um, is CLA.org. And that's spelled S-E-E-L-A dot org. 
And uh, we are a nonprofit, so donations are tax deductible. But also, and on on their you know ways to to vet, you know uh, vendor application, ways to to volunteer, and also um, the best way to support the farmers market is to shop at the farmers market. I love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I appreciate the work that you and CLA are doing. And it's important that people understand that food fairness, food accessibility is, you know, what we need here mm-hmm. in places like South LA. Yeah. It's food is a right. Absolutely. Access to healthy food is a right. Mm-hmm. Quality food. Quality is a right. Food <laughs> is a right. Thank you so much, Marie Elise Rakasner DeMarco. <laughs> The longest name in L.A. (laughs) A beautiful long name in L.A. It was a pleasure talking about about this. I really thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to MHD Off the Record. And special thank you to Felicia the Poetess Morris of Morris Media Studios in Leimert Park. For more information, please visit MHDCD8.com and follow at MHDCD8 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to rate us five stars, subscribe, and share with a friend.